Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Happy Wednesday to all. Um, today, I want to talk about finding the money. Um, that, that's an issue that a lot of real estate investors have. Um, for that reason, I see a lot of real estate agents not getting into um, investing. And so I want to talk about a number of different ways to actually find money to invest in real estate. Um, I think it's a myth uh, or a misnomer, not a myth, but a misnomer that you need a whole lot of money to invest in real estate and you don't, uh, but you need to invest. Um, I talk to a lot of my real estate agents and they're not investing because they think they need a whole lot of money. And you just don't need a whole lot of money to start investing. Um, I, I just recently um, fixed and flipped a property in Northeast D.C. Um, actually, a wholesaler found me the property. I paid them a wholesale fee um, for the opportunity. And I, I purchased the property. I actually purchased the property for $300,000. And the renovation cost was about $90,000. So $390,000 um, all in. I went to a hard money lender. The hard money lender lent me the money, the $390,000 to purchase the property and then to renovate the property. So I had closing costs to do. And my closing cost was probably around, I don't know, $25,000, $30,000. And so I went to a private lender. I went to a private lender for, and, and they lent me $50,000. I, I paid them. 10% on their money. So they paid for the closing costs of $30,000. Um, and I closed on the deal. I closed on the deal using the private lender's money and the hard money lender's money using none of my own money. And so I purchased the property using none of my own money. There was about $20,000 left over from the private lender. I used that $20,000 to get my draw schedule started with my contract. I uh, got my draw schedule started. Um, once we finished the first draw, the hard money lender paid me the $30,000 from the $90,000 um, for the first draw. And then after the second, third, we finished the project. I uh, put the property on the market, flipped the property, um, thought I was selling it for $600,000, but ended up selling it because of the market that we're in now ended up selling it for $650,000. So I was $390 all in, sold it for um, for three for $650. Paid back the hard money lender, paid back my private lender, and of course, you know, the rest of the money, which was was which was a sizable profit, was all mine. I did all of that using none of my own money. Using none of my own money. So you don't have to use your money. We, I like to say we want to use other people's money to become wealthy. We're using other people's money to build our own wealth. And um, jot that down, put that in your mindset. Um, the wealthy, they don't use their own money. They leverage their money um, through being able to get loans and, and uh, lines of credit and things like that. But they don't use their own money. They use other people's money, um, banks' money, private lenders' money, uh, hard money lenders' money, um, private lenders' money, if I haven't mentioned that. We use other people's money. And so as a real estate invest and investor, 
Uh, the most experienced investors, they learn how to build their wealth through real estate investing using other people's money. And so I'm going to give you a few hacks, um, a few ideas on how you do that, um, how you use other people's money, different philosophy strategies that I've used over the last few years to, to really build wealth and to invest in real estate um, without using using very little of my own money. I try to use my own money um, just in case we get into a deal, especially if it's a fix and flip or buy and hold. I'll use my money if we run into any problems, if we have um, any change, what we call change orders or anything that happens miscellaneous, I like to use my money. But to purchase the property, even if it's a buy and hold, to purchase the property, and we'll go through the Burr method, um, to purchase the property, to renovate the property, I try to leverage somebody else's money to build my wealth. And so let's go over. I've got about 10 different ways that we can do that. The first obvious way to, um, to invest in real estate using little to, to none of your own money, even in most cases, you guys, you're not even using your credit. And so if you were to tell me that you're, you're uh, at this moment, um, you've got some challenges with your credit, it's okay. You can wholesale real estate. So that's the first hack, wholesaling. And so let's wholesale some real estate where we're going to find some property. Um, we're going to put that under contract with the motivated seller. And then we're going to find a cash buyer. I, so one in, one in uh, Columbia Heights, I recently wholesaled a deal where um, I actually found a property was referred to me. I went, took a look at it. Um, a lady had inherited the property. It was one of those big brownstones um, in Columbia Heights. It was four levels. And she just didn't have the money to, to renovate the property. She had had it. She had rented it out to her children. Um, she had it inherited from two or three other generations that had been in the family for you know close to 70, 80 years. And there was a lot of decay, a lot of mold. She just didn't have the money. And taxes were due. She owned the property free and clear. And so I had a choice to make. I said, I can negotiate with her, put her on a contract, which I did. But then I said to myself, I could wholesale this property and probably make close to $100,000. Or I could renovate the property and probably make, I don't know, maybe $200,000. But the wholesaling was only going to take me probably two or three weeks. Um, the Flipping was probably going to take me nine months to a year uh, because it needed a full renovation. It needed full permits, inspections, uh, things like that. So it was going to take a while. And so I decided to hold, just make a quick hundred grand, and which is not normal. Our, our average wholesale fee is probably $15,000, $20,000. Um, some of my wholesalers averaged $30,000. So this was, this was in D.C. It was free and clear. After repair value on this property is probably 1.2 million. And so I, I was able to get her under contract for, I think, um, 600,000. And I, I, I was able to wholesale it, uh, found a cash buyer, buddy of mine, uh, put her under contract, put her under contract. Um, then I put him under contract using an assignment agreement. Um, when we closed on the deal, she got her money, I got my money. And he's renovating the property now. 
Um, it's in, in an area where you can do a condo conversion. So he's, I think he's doing, um, turning it into two condos. Um, I didn't use any of my own money on that, on that deal. You guys, none of, none of my own money. Um, I didn't use credit. I didn't have to show credit. All I was able to do just kind of through networking was I got referred a deal. Um, and I put her under contract and I assigned the contract and I, I made money. And so that's what you guys can do to begin with in real estate. So I always recommend to, to novice real estate investors, wholesale. And the key to wholesaling is just having a marketing plan, a marketing strategy to be able to find deals. And so that's all you really need to know how to do is to find deals, networking, like I found that property. Um, I've got um, a couple of my agent investors who um, put out bandit signs. So bandit signs, those signs that um, say we buy houses, you see on the side of the road and in, in the yard on a telephone pole. Those were um, cold calling, calling, um, getting a list and calling or or getting a uh, virtual assistant to make calls for you on an absentee owner list, um, pre foreclosure list, a list where um, of homeowners who own their properties free and clear. Um, so getting less like that and calling. Um, um, postcards, direct mail is a great way. Social media. So there's a lot of different ways to um, find these deals to wholesale. And that's the best way, you guys. That's the best way to really get into investing in real estate using none of your own money, zero. Um, also, um, Owner financing. So I just described when I started this um, an example of owner financing where I basically took a second second mortgage, uh, but we just um, took out a second and put on the deal. Um, and I used that owner's money. Actually, that's private lending. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me let me take a step backwards. Owner financing. Here's an example of owner financing. One of, one of the first properties that I ever purchased in my life. I actually went and saw it. Um, I think it was either this week or the last week. I think it was last weekend. I was in DuPont Circle and walked by it and actually took a picture of it. Um, I like to tell this story. It's my very, very first property. I was 23 years old. I saw an ad in the Washington Post, in the classified section. Um, owner was selling his house. I went to him and I'm 23. I've been reading in books about creative financing strategies, owner financing. Um, I had just gotten a decent job to be a college graduate, so I didn't have a lot of money. And it was in at, it was at a time where we were um, it was a buyer's market, so houses weren't houses really weren't selling. And so I proposed to him um, that he took back um, a, a mortgage for me. He was the bank owner financing. Owner financing is when they're the bank. Um, so he take take back a note for me. Uh, we actually went to closing. I owned the property. He was the bank. I paid interest only payments for five years. Um, when I purchased the property for him, I fixed it up a little bit and rented it out. Actually was able to get a, a nanny. There was a nanny here from um, the, the British, um, from England. She was from England. And her and her girlfriend rented it out for me uh, in DuPont Circle, in the heart of DuPont Circle. And they rented it out for like three years. And when they moved out, I got another tenant in there. When the five-year period was up, 
the balloon payment was due, I refinanced and paid off the original owner and kept the property. And so um, that's an example of owner financing. On all the properties that I purchased, I look to see if, or ask the question if the owner is in a position uh, or ask enough questions to see if the owner is in a position to um, take back a mortgage, owner financing. Um, so with the owner financing, I didn't have to, I didn't put up, I didn't have to go out and get a loan. Um, I'm sure I had to put down a deposit so many years ago. I don't quite remember, but I'm sure I put down some type of deposit um, that they held and we drew up a note. I actually have forms for that now. And I own the property and the homeowner was was the bank. So owner financing, you guys get the owner to take back a note uh, to finance the property for you to be the bank. Ask those questions. We don't always buy property the traditional way. As a matter of fact, I try never ever to buy the tr traditional way. I find an owner and then I go to a bank and get financing and I close on the deal and pay them off. I, I never, ever do that. I try not to. Um, I try to do some of these ways where I put up little to none of my own money. And most of these strategies, you're not even out actually going out getting, getting financing. Um, JV partners. And so I love JV partners. When I was a young age, a young investor, um, I was buying properties and holding them. My goal was to buy a property every year and, and hold it, one a year. Um, but I was finding other properties throughout the year. I didn't have the money. It, took, it would take me a year just to save up the money to buy another buy and hold. I was just really into buying and holding. But I got really good at finding these opportunities. And so what I would do is I would find the opportunities and then I would get another investor to put up the money and we would partner. We would do a joint venture agreement. I found a property, they put up the money and we both would manage the contractors. And I flipped a number of properties that way. And, I, and honestly, I still do it. I've, I've got a, a contractor of mine that we've done. We flipped a couple properties together where I found a property. I actually got the financing and he put up the money to close and was in charge of the renovation. Once we sold the property, we paid him back just for his expenses. Um, and then we paid off the loan and split the, split the profits. <clears throat> Doing joint venture agreements, partnering um, is probably one of the best ways to get started investing. I, I, um, I run a, a coaching program for investors. And so one of my coaching students called me yesterday and said, um, her and her husband and another investor in the group partnered to purchase a property at an auction. They, they got together, uh, they pulled their funds and they bid on this property online. It's an online auction and they actually purchased the property together. And I was like, that's wonderful. That's how you get it. Now, obviously you've got to pick the right partner. Um, and each partner has to bring something to the table. In this case, um, they both had money. So they both, you know, combined their money, but sometimes it's credit so that you can get a loan. Sometimes it's being able to find deals, which was my, this is what I brought to the table. I could find deals. Sometimes it's just even knowledge, just knowing how to flip properties because 
it is a risky proposition flipping properties. It's not an exact science. You've got to know what you're doing. Um, and then sometimes you've got people who have crews, and so they can bring that to the table, to the partnership. But you have to know what you bring to the table, and then you find somebody else that has another element um, that you need to flip properties, and then you guys partner together. But you want to be a good partner. You've got to bring something to the table. But even if it's just your credit, some people have great credit and others don't. And sometimes, at least for the first time with a hard money lender, um, they want to see credit. So you can have a you can have a um, joint. I mean, a, um, start an LLC and use that person's credit um, to get approved with the hard money lender. After that, the hard money lender is not going to look at your credit or your partner's credit. Um, you know, they, they're, they're lending on a basis or the merits of the property, not the merits of the person. But initially, they may want to. You may need a partner that has that credit. But partnering. And by doing so, if you don't have money, then you simply need to pick a partner who has money and or credit. But you've got to be able to find the property and or have a crew that can renovate the property. You partner with someone with money, credit. Now, let's go. Now we can do a number of different properties together. You didn't have to come up with any money. Um, subject two, um, this is not necessarily a creative financing um, talk, but um, when we talk about investing in real estate with little to no money, my favorite strategy, you guys, my favorite strategy is buying property subject to the existing mortgage keeping that existing mortgage on a property, bringing it current if it needs to be current, making the payments for the homeowner while you're renovating the property, and then flipping that property, having them come to settlement and make sure you pay them, um, and then you get your, your um, profits. And so one of my coaching students was making calls from a pre-foreclosure um, pre list. And they got a hold of a, a homeowner in Akakeek, Maryland. She was, I believe, about two or three weeks away from house going to foreclosure. And so my student called me, I actually went to the property, talked to the, to, the, um, to the young lady, and she said, I'm ready to sell my house. I took a look at the numbers, and she was about, um, she's about three payments behind, three or four payments behind which meant she probably owed less than $10,000 on, um, on her property. Um, I saw that she had equity in the property. Now, when I met with her, she had her family members over. They were packing. They were, they were getting ready to get her out of there because they didn't want her stuff set out on the street. So I told her, this is what I proposed to her. I said, here's what I'll do. I'll bring your mortgage current. I see you're moving out. So you move out, bring, I'll bring the mortgage current. I'll totally renovate the property um, and then we'll sell the property. I'll give you $10,000 now when you sign the contract with me. And then I'll give you another $10,000 when you come to settlement because the house is always is still in their name. I'll give you another $10,000 when you um, when we close the deal and you sign on the dotted line at settlement because they've got to be a willing participant. They've got to sign at settlement. And so she agreed. So she signed my subject to agreement. Um, she moved out. 
I brought the mortgage current so it didn't foreclose. I made the payments on the mortgage for three months. Now, again, I'm calculating all, the, all this money I'm spending to make sure it still fits in my mail formula. Um, we renovated the property, put it on the market. She signed a listing agreement. We put it on the market, sold it. She came to settlement, signed all the documents at the settlement. And on the settlement statement, it showed that she was getting $10,000. And on the settlement statement, my LLC was getting the rest. And in this case, it was $70,000. On that flip, I didn't put up any cash, very little cash I put up to give her money. Obviously, I got all that back and more once I sold the property. Um, and then, you know, we, we sold the property and that was it. That's subject to buying property subject to the existing mortgage. Didn't have to show any credit because we used her mortgage on the property. So no credit, very little upfront cash from me. Um, obviously, that cash was paid back once I made that $70,000. Um, that's another way, you guys, of buying properties with little to no money. Like that's a challenge as an investor. You've got to find money. And oftentimes you don't have to actually go to the bank. You can get it from these homeowners or private lenders. All right. Purchasing a home that you live in. Now, here's, here's what a lot of people do. They purchase a home to live in it. They purchase it using um, USDA, maybe federal has a uh, USDA has a, a no money down product. Um, uh, Navy Federal has a, a no money down product. Of course, VA is no money down. So you can buy a property with no money down and own it for at least a year. You've got to own it for at least a year. So what a lot of people do is, and this is this is another form of hack, um, house hacking. They live in it. They live in it for a year, and then they uh, move out of it and rent it out. Now you've got a rental property, an investment property that you put no money into, no money. Um, you put no money into it. Now, you do have closing costs, and so, sometimes in in, um, in a different market that we're in now, the seller will pay your closing costs, too, or you'll they'll pay at least half of it, and then you'll pay the other half. But there are, are programs out here that are no money down that you can buy owner-occupied, live in it for a year, and then rent it out. My my daughter actually just recently purchased a property about two months ago. Um, it's a fixer upper. She's going to live in it for a year, and then and, and she bought it no money down. She's going to live in it for a year, and then next year she's going to rent it out. And now she's going to have a property that a rental property that she hadn't didn't have to put any money into. Got closing costs help from the seller. Um, and so there's, there's no money down for, for her. And so you can do that too. Again, that's another form of ha house hacking. Um, you can get a buddy of mine in, in Georgia called and said, look, I want to buy some investment properties. I've got a ton of equity in my property. What should I do? Should I sell my property? Um, should I um, borrow against my property? And so I said, yeah, get a HELOC, do a home equity line of credit um, pull some money out. He, he wanted to flip, pull some money out, flip a property with that money you pulled out of your house and then pay that HELOC back and, and keep the profits yourself. 
And so that's another way of buying property using little to none of your own money because the equity you're pulling out of your uh, personal residence, and a lot of you guys have a lot of equity now with the way um, <clears throat> these properties are appreciating now, they're appreciating um, at like 30, 40, 50. I heard in some areas in the last six months, uh, they appreciated at 70%, but like, which is crazy, but that's the market that we're in. A lot of you guys have a lot of equity in your properties. You can pull the equity out, use it to either flip a property or buy and hold a property. And I'll, I'll get to that actually next. Um, and then when you, when you, um, if you're buying and holding a property and you use, um, a line of credit out of your personal residence, then you refinance the, um, rental property and pay that HELOC back. So now you've got this HELOC with, with none of your own money and that money is paid back to the HELOC. And so that's something that you guys can do as well. Um, that brings me to the Burr method real quickly. And I, I did a podcast on the Burr method a couple of weeks ago. It's so all just kind of briefly mentioned um, to me. That's the best way. The Burr method is the best way to buy and hold real estate. It's like the best way to build wealth. Using the Berwick method is nothing better than this because now you've got an asset that's appreciating, that's giving you cash flow that has, you know, over the years is going to give you a ton of equity um, and it's going to raise your net worth. And so what Burr stands for is B-R-R-R-R. You want to buy the property. You want to renovate the property, rent the property, refinance the property, and then get your money back and then repeat the process all over again. And so I've got a property in Baltimore that actually um, won at an auction a few years ago, won it at $40,000. And instead of getting a hard money loan to, to um, purchase the property and to renovate the property, I just used all cash. So I used my cash to um, purchase the property, use my cash to renovate the property. I was all in at about $60,000. I um, rented the property out to Section 8 tenant. And then um, I refinanced to pay, pay myself back. And so I was able to refinance. I was actually able to refinance in a way that I was able to get a no doc loan on my refinance. No doc loan. All I had to do was show a certain credit score and a lease. And there's a number of programs out there. We have our, our in-house um, lender has that program. Um, so I was able to refinance and all the money I put up to purchase the property, all the money I put up to renovate the property, I was able to get back and put in my pocket. Now I've got a tenant that's paying the rent. Actually, the city is paying my rent, Section 8 tenant. Um, after I renovated the property and rented it out, even though I purchased it for for um, 40,000, put about 20,000 into it. But now that property is worth $170,000. So I've got a ton of equity in that property. Now that property is in Baltimore. So I'm, I'm going to get, um, I'm not going to get as, as much appreciation as I would like in, in DC area, but um, I've got a ton of equity. So I bought it right. But the best part for me is I have this asset that once I paid myself back, I have none of my own money into the deal, none of my own money. 
And so that's what you want. And that's why I, I encourage my students to do the bird method. That's why I love it. Like I want to try to get to the point where I'm doing burr like every month, like almost every month. I just I'm buying a property at the end of this month that I'm going to use hard money to purchase the property and to renovate the property. Uh, once I renovate it, I'm going to rent it out Section 8 because I, I just love Section 8. And then when I refinance using the same no doc 30 year loan, I'll pay back the hard money lender. And now I've got an asset with none of my own money in it that this one is actually in an area that that um, appreciates well. And I'll start on that one probably at around six or seven hundred dollars a month in positive cash flow. That's the Burr method. Um, that's the, the best method that you can use, in my opinion, to um, to build wealth with your buy and hold properties. All right. Enough about enough about Burr. Um, Lease options, um, master leases, buying properties with, with little to none of your own money to get started in, in investing. But even now, so all these methods I use, there, there was a property um, that I that I, I saw. I was, I, was um, I had just gotten into real estate. I had been buying and holding uh, my very first year in the real estate, which was many moons ago. I came across this property that was showing one of my um clients buyer clients and it was in the middle of a cul-de-sac it was in Bowie, maryland it backed to a lake had a real big deck on it um two-car garage colonial i fell in love with it and so in my mind i was thinking wow i hope, I hope they don't like it I hope they don't like it I hope they don't like it and they didn't like it and so i found them something else in another area so I called the agent and I said, and it was, again, it was in a market. It was in the early, it was in the mid nineties where we were in a buyer's market again, and they were having a hard time selling a property. So what I did was because I was like 30 years old, um, I had these rental properties, but a property like that, four bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms, two car garage, back to a lake. I really couldn't afford it at that time. And so I said, I love this property for me at that time. It was a dream home. So I was like, couldn't sleep. Like, I got to go for it. Just, I have to go for it. I've never seen a house like this. Now I'm 30. I'm not married, <clears throat> no kids. But still, I was like, I love this house. And so I said, lease options. I'm going to ask them if I can lease the property, pay rent for two years, <clears throat> lock into a price right now. And to, to tell you how long ago it was, uh, I locked into a price of 200,000. It was 200,000, it was 3,500 square feet, just the first two levels, back to a lake, ducks in the yard. I mean, it's just wonderful. Um, so they agreed. So I leased the property for two years. And at the two year mark, I, um, I refinanced and paid them off. <clears throat> I refinanced with them um, using a, a, a loan that I didn't have to put any money down. And so I, I acquired that property for two years. I was locked in. They couldn't sell it to anybody. I had that lease with an option to buy agreement. And then I refinanced um, and didn't have to put any money down on the refinance. And now I own the property. And so 
lease options is another way. <clears throat> I don't see lease options, to be honest with you, as much as I used to when I first got into real estate. Um, but they're still out there. I still see people doing it. I, here's what I see a lot of people doing. They're doing what's called master leases. <clears throat> and so they're put, they'll put a master lease on a property. And, and when you guys see, uh, oftentimes when you guys see um, investors doing Airbnb, um, especially if they're like, um, like around here, around our area, and when they're doing Airbnbs, they're not buying these properties, you guys. A lot of the Airbnbs, um, the owner of the Airbnb um, of that business, they don't own the real estate. They're leasing the real estate. They're putting master leases on. They're negotiating with the owners at market uh, rental rates. Um, they're putting in their contract that they may make some changes to the property, but um, the owner will approve it. And at the end of the lease, they'll put it back to the way it was if the owner wants. Um, and so they're putting security cameras on, um, you know, they're really decorating every now and then they'll spruce the house up some to make it an attractive Airbnb. And then they'll put it on um, Airbnb.com, VRBO.com. Um, and they're actually doing Airbnbs with a with basically a sub, I mean, basically with a um, master lease. And they're not even interested in buying the properties. They just want to lease the property. It's a business. They want to lease that property as long as they can. Now, generally, a, a master lease is not two years. Generally, a master lease is about at least a minimum of five years. Um, and they just want to run that business. And they're able to, to acquire a number of these properties, putting master leases on them. And then because Airbnb, you guys, is sort of the new phenomenon. We've got a lot of our agents doing it now, agent investors doing it. A lot of people are doing it because of COVID and, and the pandemic. People want to travel, but they don't want to stay in hotels. Too many germs in hotels, too many people in hotels. Airbnb is the safest um, um, alternative. There's a lack of housing now for Airbnb. Airbnb stock is like just skyrocketed. Um, and they've put out that there's a lack of, so what a lot of people are doing, but they've been doing this for, for three or four years now, maybe even longer, um, leasing out um, these properties and renting them out as Airbnbs. All right, a co couple more. <clears throat> Um, here, here's here's what I see a lot of people do, and I, I was trying to get my daughter to do this, is um, buying two units or four unit um, buildings. And because four units or lower, it's still considered owner occupied. So you're putting down little to no money. At most, you're putting down three and a half percent if it's FHA. Uh, but of course, if you're using a no money down program like what Navy Federal has, USDA has, VA has, you're not putting down any money for a four unit or lower. And so what a lot of um, homeowners are doing, what a lot of investors are doing, which I think is just just a, a great strategy is, say, for example, they buy a four unit, they're actually renting. I mean, they're living in one of the units and renting out the other three units. And by doing so, they're not paying 
into the mortgage at all. The other three units, probably just two units, <clears throat> are paying um, is enough money to pay the mortgage. And then, of course, after a year, uh, now they're able to actually move out of their one unit and move somebody else in and rent that property. I've, I've got a good friend of mine who bought a property actually back in the 90s in an area in D.C. called Columbia Heights, back in Columbia Heights. And that's what she did. She bought a, she bought a four unit in Columbia Heights um, and she uh, rented one of them. I mean, she lived in one of them. She rented the other ones. Um, after a year, she actually went to business school. So she left the area and she rented her place out. When she when she came back a year or two later, she refinanced, kept her tenants in there, refinanced, pulled money out and bought another property to live in. Three or four years later, now this property, she initially bought it for around three hundred thousand um, years later. It's worth one point two million dollars, a four unit in Columbia Heights. She actually sold the property for one point, got all the tenants out and sold that property for one point two million. Now, she didn't put any money into that property whatsoever because she rented she uh, rented out the other units. Um, lived in one initially. Uh, so she never spent any of her own money on the mortgage. She bought it using one of the um, one of the programs, sold it many years later for over a million dollars, put none of her own money into the property. Never. Even with maintenance, she would save her rents. And with her rent money, she would she would do all the maintenance. And so that's another alternative. Um, and that's something that you guys can do. A lot of people do is they buy a four unit, live in one unit, rent out the others. A year later, they go and buy another one and do the same thing. Um, I, I also see a lot of um, homeowners, I actually see them in, in my neighborhoods, in my neighborhood um, where they're renting out, homeowners are renting out their basement or renting out rooms. And so I, I see a lot of that as well as a way of getting, you know, extra money, you know, to supplement the mortgage. And so all of those types of things. And so you guys, if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the, in the um, comment section. Finding money, investing in real estate, scaling that business, it's not easy to scale real estate investment business. Um, if you are in the business of buying and holding, I do see some investors doing that, doing that well, having a number of doors. Some have 100 doors, some have 1,000 doors. Um, some have portfolios of 20 properties, things like that. But in terms of fixing and flipping properties, when you, if that's a strategy, the challenge is going to be finding the deals. I mean, finding the deals, number one, but then also finding the money. And so you've got to have these strategies that I just um, described in, in order to um, be able to scale. So there was at one time a couple of years ago, I had about three prop, I mean, 10 properties at um, different stages. Some I had just purchased, some I was in the middle of the renovation, some had been staged and getting ready to sell. And so I, I um, at one time had 10 and that's very cash intensive. 
but almost all of them, I put up none of my own money. I had private lenders, almost all of them. A couple of them were subject to, but most of them were hard money lenders, um, followed behind on the same deal, a private lender that put up the money for closing costs. That's the only way, you guys. It's, it's very tough. You can't get lines of credit. I've got some buddies that have um, lines of credit, but even with lines of credit with the banks, and I have a line of credit with the bank, um, you've got to put down 25%, or you've got to put down money, and you can't get a, hard, a private lender to do that. But so so here's, here's my advice. Um, as far as the real estate in, um, investing goes, especially if you're uh, a real estate agent, Wholesaling is the best way, is, is a great way to get started. But then um, find private lenders. Private lenders can really help you out a lot, especially like with closing costs. Um, hard money lenders, we have a ton of hard money lenders we can refer to you. Um, and then on the buy and hold side, the Burr method, B-R-R-R-R is the best way, is the best way to build a portfolio of properties um using none of your own money and if and the money that you do use of yourself of your own when you refinance you pay it all back so in essence you're not using any of your own money that's the best way to go to build a fortune using somebody else's money that's what you need to be you know i tell my agents all the time listening to selling real estate um, will make you a good living but you will never ever become wealthy You've got to invest. And so you've got to use some of these strategies that I just described to really start the process of building wealth. Obviously, you need some support. Um, you need the right tools, resources, things like that. We provide that for you. All right, you guys, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, you can reach me on my Instagram, Greg Bennett Invest, um, on my YouTube um facebook the bennett team so i'm all over would love to help you guys take care god bless have a great day and i'll talk to you soon